The Boise Dev Podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is a free platform for podcasts like this one. It allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can even add in songs from Spotify to help spice up those episodes. Anchor will make sure that your podcast is distributed pretty much everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with an ad like this. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome into the Boise Dev Podcast. Really interesting conversation this week with Luke Kavaner. He is the Meridian City Council Vice President, and we talked about his time in Meridian, the explosive growth we're seeing out there, and also a little bit about his work uh, in his day job with the American Cancer Society's Cancer Action Network and some of the work being done there. So I think you'll really enjoy this up after the break. It's the Boise Dev Podcast with Luke Kavaner. You are listening to the Boise Dev Podcast. Development, growth, and exclusive interviews from Idaho's number one business news site, boisedev.com. Luke, thanks for taking the time. Happy to do it. So you wear, as many of us in the Treasure Valley do, a bunch of different hats. A lot of people know you as a Meridian City Councilor, right? Yep. I fortunate I've been the second year of my second term, been proud to serve our citizens for the past six years. So six years in seat six, is that correct? Did you like make a little cake, some cupcakes or no, something? No, we should probably do a cake. You yeah, should. we need to do a six year in seat six cake. I'm going to work on that. You should. Uh, and then you also, your day job is you work? Yeah, I would do public policy for the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network. Lots of words, uh, but we're the public policy affiliate arm of the American Cancer Society. So I'm really lucky. I get to work on cancer policy at the local, state, and federal level. Wow. So that probably keeps you both probably keep you pretty busy. Very busy uh, between a full-time family, a full-time job, and a near full-time responsibility on the city council. Doesn't leave me a lot of time to binge watch on Netflix. I don't get to play as much golf as I would like. Uh, But uh, my father grew up on a farm and also worked for the police department. And as a child, I never understood why my dad would want to work full-time and then for his vacation also want to go do more work. Um, But I enjoy uh, serving in the city uh, tremendously. And it's a a kind of a balances out my day job, but it keeps me grounded. And so uh, I'm very lucky that I get to do both. And and it's it's really been a great joy. So let's kind of talk about the story of you. And we'll maybe start more recently and then move back. You have a young, growing family. I do. I have uh, my wife uh, jokes that we're raising two only children. So I have a 12-year-old and a three-year-old, both... uh, are just amazing, but draw different sides of our brain in terms of managing two uniquely different types of cats that we have to herd. Well, and nine years is a pretty big gap, right? Huge, huge gap. Uh, but uh, Gunner, our oldest, is a celebrity in our three-year-old's eyes, and uh, we call our oldest uh, Mother Hen because he cares very deeply for his younger brother and just wants to protect him from the world. It's 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 awesome. That's great. So. You grew up in Meridian, moved there when you were about your youngest age, right? Yeah, three or four. Um, I think it was 83 or 84. My parents lived in married student housing in Boise, and um, 
like lots of people who pick Meridian, they moved there because it was a place where they could get a nice house with a yard that they could afford. Uh, my father at the time was just starting his career in law enforcement. My mom worked at a bank, and it was the place that they could afford to live. And uh, it's been my home really ever since. Like many in the Valley, I'm a boomeranger. So when I graduated, right. I moved away. But when it was time to raise my family, I moved back. You probably and, had an 888 number, like the whole uh, the whole yeah. bit, right? Uh, boy, yeah, it's a, it was an 888 number. And again, uh, my it's our garage door code to our, our current oh. home. And, and my oldest asked, why is that our number? And I'm like, well, that was that was my phone number when I was a child. That's the number that I can remember. That's like my that's how my parents think door code to their house. Yep. It's an old phone number. So funny how that works. Yeah. So you grew up in Meridian and came into adulthood, came back to town and started to dig in and make an impact here. Yes. I was I was really lucky. When I graduated college, I worked for a company that did um, marketing and advertising at retail, specifically in grocery stores. And so um, at the time when Super Value owned Albertsons, they were looking at different concepts to really monetize the grocery experience. And the company that I worked for had that technology. And so I, I was able to move back here to run a pilot program with Albertsons out of the Federal Way store. And then when our, when Super Value bought into that, then we rolled that technology out um, nationwide. And I was very fortunate that I got to manage our accounts for essentially the Western United States and so I traveled a lot while still having my home base here in the valley but when it came time for me to be a dad I just said you know I can't live on the road anymore and so I was uh, fortunate to work for a couple of different advertising agencies and then uh, like many of us when the kind of the economy fell out in 2008 many of those advertising agencies closed up shop and um, I got really really lucky I was at a, at a Halloween party and a friend of mine said the city of Meridian's looking for this community relations specialist and boy Luke I think this position's great for you and um, was very fortunate that uh, Mayor Tammy hired me in 2008 to serve as our city's community liaison and it was this amazing position because it was able to do all the things that I love about community and then I got paid for it and so was fortunate to be able to have a, a full-time permanent position in Meridian um, you know living you know in the same community where I was as a child to be able to raise my my son there was just just awesome and so is this the job that like Casey Emery most recently had or is it a different something that's different so in 2008 and, and again it shows how much everything has changed City Meridian had kind of a public information officer, but they were really in the frame of mind of we need to we need to design, print, and deliver information to our <laughs> citizens. And I when I sat down with the mayor, I said, "Here's here's my vision: is um, citizens want information on their terms, not on the city's terms. And so we've really got to start thinking about how we're going to communicate to the young family and how we're going to communicate to the retiree that lives in Meridian, because both of them are going to collect their information differently. So Meridian was the first municipality. Um, in Idaho to have a Facebook page and a Twitter presence. Um, the mayor started blogging, which was something, again, 11 years ago, you weren't seeing a lot of elected officials doing. Um, we embraced um, RSS feeds to push out our, our agendas, um, and we created a, a protocol. So if you, this, the citizen, want to know when the city council's meeting, when there's signups for dodgeball, or what's happening at the Parks Commission, you could select all those things and we would deliver you your menu of information. It was a really exciting time. It's something now that is kind of the expectation right. of citizens, but we were really in 2007, 2008, really on the cutting edge and, and doing a lot of things that not a lot of other municipalities had even thought to do. So 
as such, that position really did evolve. And while we kept a uh, the public information officer position kind of faded away and some of those responsibilities fell to the mayor, to the chief of staff, to me and some of the other um, employees, when I left in 2012, because we had built this up and we were having demands on you know, our parks department has a Facebook page and a Twitter presence, our fire department is having a Facebook page because these are things that our citizens wanted. The, the mayor rightfully so kind of established a communications director position, which they cycled through a bunch of individuals and finally we had landed on Casey Emery. And, most of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she and Casey was great. Uh, a, a huge asset uh, to our city and, and quite frankly, did a lot of what I think I did when I came in 2008, built that position up, made it something really, really impactful and powerful and then we're going to turn it over to somebody else who's going to be able to put their spin and be able to build on that as well. Um, we've been very fortunate the city to have really remarkable thoughtful individuals as as our employees and our citizens have really been able to benefit so then six years ago as we talked about you i guess it would be maybe seven years ago you decided hey i'm gonna i'm gonna be a politician which i hate that word but maybe a lot of people think about right running for office but not a lot of people make that leap because it's hard in the current environment in society but you said i'm gonna go raise money and i'm gonna ask for voters to Choose me. Yep. What, what led to that? We got our, our city council at the time are our four gentlemen who I respect and admire so much and did a great job on our council. But they were all, for the most part, either retirees or grandfathers. And so the city, the community as a whole, started to have this conversation about, has Meridian grown to the point that maybe we need a larger city council? And should we move from a four-member body to a six-member body? And... Um, I was asked my opinion. I said, yeah, I think we, we do need six people. And so in May of 2013, we asked the voters, do you want to expand the council from, from four to six? And they said, yes. Yeah, enthusiastically, yes. So between being asked, do I think we need to expand? And the voters saying, yes, we should expand. The seat is like, well, I loved when I worked for the city of Meridian. There were things that I wanted to do for our community that I, I couldn't because I'm not in charge. And maybe here's an opportunity for me to serve in a different capacity. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, strike why the iron's hot. We've got uh, a brand new seat. I think that I have um, a perspective, something that was different from our council. Again, uh, being a father of a young family in a community full of young families, I thought that perspective um, needed to, to really represent our city at the city council level. And so, like many, I jumped in with two feet and said, yes, I'm going to I'm going to run for city council and uh, please donate some some dollars to my campaign. Uh, please come knock doors with me. Please tell your friends. Let me come speak to your neighbors. And um, it was fantastic. I. Um, as, as many folks I think will test, I, I love knocking doors. I love talking to our citizens, whether they're people I know um, or strangers. If they've got an issue that's important to them, quite frankly, it's important to me. And I loved knocking on people's doors and talking about those issues, especially because I think my time in the city, oftentimes the question or the concern they had, I was able to at least walk them through why, why it is the way that it is. I think sometimes that's always frustrating is that people see things the way they are and don't know why. And so naturally it's easy to think, well, it's because people don't know what they're doing or they're not paying attention to it. And sometimes that's the case, but in many cases, no, this, this is, this is an issue. And sometimes we don't like why the solution is the way that it is, but here's at least the reason behind it. So forgive me, is, is Meridian an at-large or is it by district? 
Super confusing. It's a great question. And <laughs> and that's something that I think is really that I've learned is that elections are really different depending on the municipality yeah. in, in Idaho. So you run at large in Meridian, but you have to file for a seat. So in 2013, um, I declared that I was going to run for seat six and have since ran for re-election on seat six. But in 2013, there were five other individuals who said, well, we too are going to run for seat six. And there were five individuals that were running for seat five and three individuals that were running for seat three and four individuals running for seat one. It was, you know, you pick which seat you want to run, but you ask the whole city to come out and vote for you. Um, administratively, we try and take different segments of Meridian to kind of dive a little deeper um, and get a better understanding. And part of that was, again, you look back in 2012, you had three city council members and a mayor who essentially lived in the same neighborhood. Right. At the same time, you had South Meridian growing like crazy, and that part of our community really feeling like there wasn't anybody that represented them. Um, You're seeing some of those dynamics in Boise, too. Right, right. Yeah. right. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you go back to running for office and making these um, political promises. So I'm in South Meridian knocking doors in 2013, and these people are saying, we've never had somebody who's running for office come to our part of town. And so I made this commitment to these, this group that I got in front of. If I get elected, I'm going to move to South Meridian. And on election right, night... It's probably like, great. Right, Luke. right. On election <laughs> night, my wife is like, are you like, okay. And so we did. We uh, we, we sold our house. We lived in, in Old Town, downtown Meridian, um, which was where I was raised. I was uh, City Hall's old paper boy. I mean, downtown was my heart, but... We packed up and statesman moved to the south side. A press Tribune. A statesman. statesman. Yep. My my mother uh, still has, uh, you know, again, 1991, I was carrier of the day. <laughs> and my mom has a blown up picture of, of my mug from when I was the statesman carrier of the day. I was, a, I was a statesman letter carrier. I don't actually admit this a lot for anybody who knows me. Um, for one month, one month. <laughs> it didn't. It, that didn't. Wasn't for me. So good for you yeah. on being carrier of the day because I was barely carrier for a day. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's interesting because the um, municipal political offices in Idaho are um, nonpartisan. Yes. Right. You don't run as a Republican or as a Democrat, but I think for the most part. The people are Republicans or Democrats. Do you, you – is there a place that you fall on the spectrum? Are you kind of yeah. all over the place? What's your – So it's – you know, I think sometimes in Idaho, if you don't subscribe to somebody's particular class of political ideology, then you get labeled in some kind of negative connotation. Rhino or dino. Right, or right. Or yep. Um, you know, I uh, worked uh, for a, a, a Republican senator when I lived in D.C. for for a number of years um, and enjoyed my time there. I identify as a Republican. Um, I have close Republican friends who say you're not a Republican. Um, and I have, uh, you know, Democrat friends who say, boy, you're as far right as you can go. I mean, that just speaks to kind of the big tent of politics that pertains in, in Idaho. When you run for office, it's. Again, going back to how much I love knocking doors, it's one of the questions I would get asked a lot is, you know, where do you fall on the political spectrum or are you running as a Republican or are you running as a Democrat? And you get to give the voters essentially a quick civics lesson about right. that you're not electing a Republican or you're not electing a Democrat. You're electing somebody who um, represents Meridian. And for me, you know, some of my biggest issues is really property taxes and making sure that we're as uh, efficient with essentially our citizens' property tax dollars as possible and that yields to me being, I think, a, a really strong fiscal conservative. Um, at the same time, you know, we as a as a city enacted this year a non-discrimination ordinance. Mm -hmm. That's a piece of legislation.
population that sometimes gets painted with a blue coat of paint. Again, I care about Meridian residents and, and their families. Uh, and and one thing I've learned is that families come in different shapes and sizes and colors and flavors. And if they want to choose Meridian to be their home, that's something that I want for them as well. It's not about supporting a Democratic ideology or Republican ideology. I want to do what's best for our community. So I'm going to kind of reorder what I was going to ask you a little bit. Sure. Because um, I want to get into... The growth and some of the challenges facing Meridian, but but because we're on this topic, um, you know, I think it's been really interesting to see the political makeup of the Treasure Valley change. Yes. You get a lot of people who say, well, Boise's liberal. And I kind of go, well, if you look at the data, it's not as liberal as maybe it looks. People who vote probably sure. are more. Boise and Meridian have turned into one city, right? There's, they've grown together. They're intermingled in ways that I don't think people could have imagined when you and I were growing up. Right. And like I drove to Meridian and you drove to Boise and now it's like, wait, where am I? Like Eagle Road, for right. instance. Eagle Road is Meridian and it's Boise and it's, Boise. And it's named for Eagle and it's in, you know, so there's been a lot of um, friction from that, I would say. You, you know, you testified at Boise City Hall a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. on an issue related to your day job. And how do you think that that changing dynamic affects the ability to build solutions that serve all the people, whether they're Republicans or Democrats? And I asked the governor basically a similar question. Sure. So I think to me, we, whether municipalities chose to or not, often operated in a silo for a number of years, in part because you had a defined boundary right. and you were concerned about kind of what happened well, we don't have four walls, but kind of within the four walls of your city. Um, that time where those cities want to choose to do that or not, I think has, has went away. And we have to look at regional solutions. And, you know, when a local municipality enacts a policy, whether it's something, again, something Meridian led on what, prohibiting texting while driving a right. number of years ago. Um, that's going to impact the folks who live in Boise and CUNA and Star and Eagle. And if we as local leaders continue to stay narrowly focused on just what happens within our community and not um, collaborate or engage our municipalities to our east and west and northern and southern borders, um, quite frankly, I think we do a disservice to our constituents because the more that confusion lies, um, the more challenging it is for um, law enforcement or building officials to enforce the rules because they're not consistent. I know that is a huge challenge amongst our development community yeah. is that there's one set of rules in Boise and another set of rules in Meridian. And uh, now there's going to be a new set of rules in, in Nampa and Caldwell. And again, all of those are, are well intended where you have people who care about their community to do what's best, but I think because for so long we haven't embraced our neighbors, that's just been business as usual, but I think that time has changed. We have to be start working more collaboratively on these and implementing those policies um, in uniform across you know, each of our borders. So the big kind of elephant in on that in Ada County is the highway district. Mm -hmm. Countywide highway district taxes from the county get spread around the county and in a different formula that everybody kind of wonders what it is, but they get pushed and pulled. <laughs> Mayor Tammy has one set of ideas. Mayor Dave has another set of ideas. ACHD doesn't get a lot of credit. No. Regardless of, of how you stand, they, they have a trouble, a tough time. How do you see that working? Do you think that's a good model or would it be better to bust that up and maybe... As a fiscal conservative, sure, right? It's a sure. tough question. So a couple things. One, I think that there um, 
is a special place in heaven reserved for people who serve on homeowners associations <laughs> and who run for highway districts because um, those are two really, really challenging jobs where every decision you make is always the wrong decision, always 100% the worst decision, depending on who you talk to. Somewhere Sarah Baker's like, I'm going to run for HOA board too, so I can have a double shot at heaven, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's a tough answer. And... Um, just like uh, an average citizen often questions or has takes issue with the decision the city council makes because they're basing their decision maybe on a, on a small piece of information that they either read on a blog or in, in watch on the nightly news or a conversation that they hear from somebody in a coffee shop. It's also challenging for me to say, boy, the highway district needs to do this or that different. Um, the fact of the matter is we are the fastest growing municipality um, in Idaho. Um, and the largest complaints that I hear as a city council member is the issues with our roads. And it's very, very hard as somebody who likes to be solution oriented to say, well, that's not something that I have a lot of control over because from our citizens, they don't really care. They just want the problem solved. Um, so it's hard to criticize, but are, are there areas of improvement that I think our highway district can make? Yes. And I think if you ask them, I think that they would agree to that. Um, one of the pieces that I've always struggled to understand is why our highway district is also involved in the transit business. Mm-hmm. And I understand initially the yeah, commuter ride, which again, I think is um, is a great program and one that um, should be applauded. As again, while there are congestion issues, the quality of our roads are, are very, very good. So from a road maintenance standpoint, I think the highway district deserves a gold star. Um, Commuter ride, I think, is a gold star program, but is that the right place for it to be? Um, And I think, again, coming back to us wanting to kind of live in our silos, because commuter ride has been housed under ACHD for so long, it's hard to let that particular piece go. Valley ride would like to pick it up. Right. And I think, I think personally that, that Valley ride VRT is the appropriate owner of that program. If we're going to get serious about transit in the valley and really kind of look towards some permanent solutions, it's appropriate that commuter ride be housed under there. Um, As a person who is asked to make land use decisions for our community, it's very, very hard sometimes to um, usurp that authority to the highway district. Now, I think if you talk to any city leader, the majority of the time, what comes from the highway district, we as a city council would agree with. But it's those times where we differ that's really, really hard. And I think about a a project in South Meridian a year ago that I was opposed to solely because of the access that the highway district had granted them. And you have council members who defer to the highway district, which makes sense. They're the subject matter expert. but I, I disagreed. And so it was those times, those unique moments that we remember that's like, man, can, can I can I can I have that can I have that authority just for a minute, right. just for this project, and then I'll hand it back to you. And of course things don't work that way. So um, I think that as, as you know, I, I, I remember toward the end of legislative session, Representative Moyle wanting to kind of move towards, you know, seeing highway districts established across the state. I did, I'd encourage local leaders to exercise a great deal of caution about that. I think that there's some economies of scale to be sure. gained um, from a uh, road repair and maintenance authority. It is challenging. Like any local official wants to have control of all the things possible, and we lose that with the highway district. That said, 
I think the city of Meridian has a great working relationship um, with our commissioners. Um, I feel that I can connect with any one of them on a particular issue. And likewise, if a citizen were to call me with an issue, we can work through and talk about those challenges. And sometimes I learn something, sometimes they learn something. Same with our highway district commissioners, um, which is, goes back to why I think there's a special place in heaven for them, because no matter what decision they make, um, they're going to be second-guessed and criticized. You hear a lot from the city of Boise where they say, it should be eliminated and turned back to the cities. Could you ever see a world where the flip happened, where it's like, well, let's instead of that, let's have a countywide government that does everything? I mean, same sort of thought exercise, right? Wow. It's just the other way. Don, that's a that's an incredible question. And I, and I guess I don't. I guess I don't see something like that happening. And maybe. You know, anything's possible. 70 years from now, when the valley is built out, maybe you see something like that happen. Um, But especially right now with so many things going on, uh, boy, uh, imagine the county commission meetings right now. If they're doing all the land use with all the growth that's happening in Eagle and Star and Meridian, uh, Diana Lachiano wouldn't get home till 4.30, 5.30 in the morning. So I don't know if that's something they'd get really excited about, but I, I don't see that switch happening um, at least anytime soon. Uh, again, and this is just my philosophy, the government that's the closest to the people is the best for the people. Um, I think my citizens, our citizens would agree, you know, there's something um, really amazing empowering about if I make a bad decision on Tuesday night and I'm at Albertsons on Wednesday morning and somebody recognized me, they can give me the what for. And I know that as a citizen, I appreciate having that. And you get some of that with our county commissioners. You get some of that with your state lawmakers. But inevitably, you know, the larger geographic area that that a government entity oversees, the less connected they get to their their citizens. So let's zoom in a little bit and sure. talk about Meridian. What's the biggest issue that you're grap- that you personally are, uh, not personally, but from your elected standpoint that you're grappling with right now? So I don't know if you noticed, uh, we're growing. <laughs> I haven't been out there, actually. Yeah. No, no, yeah. There's, a, there's a few people that are choosing Meridian. <laughs> so it kind of goes back to some of our earlier conversations. You know, from a from a city perspective, I have a little bit of purview over our police, fire, parks, water, and when you look at those particular elements, I think we have um, one of, if not the best, police department in the state. Um, we have, uh, without a doubt, I think the best fire station. Uh, team in the state and we're really well known for our parks i think that's part of our community's branding is for a great community for parks um, we work like many municipalities to make sure that we're delivering safe clean water to our citizens and that the water that they don't want in their home that we take and, and treat appropriately and that, and that comes at a, at, a, at a high cost most of our citizens though don't think about the police service or the fire service really even the water some focus on the parks but the biggest things that we hear about is um, challenges related to our commute and impact in our classrooms and our schools and it's interesting at least for me when when i was a child i lived in the same house and our my elementary school changed three times in five years without us moving and i lived in meridian but i went to elementary school in Boise at Joplin. We hopped on a bus and drove 30 minutes past five other elementary schools to be in the classroom with 32 other kids. Crazy. And that's a 
Boy, it's a Meridian school in the city of Boise. So, it's, like so again, it's West, yeah, West Ada. Yeah. At the time, it was the Meridian School yeah. District, yeah. Joint School District Number Two. Um, but we would be bused from Meridian to Boise for elementary because we were growing and we didn't have enough elementary schools right. first. And so, now fast forward thirty years later, our schools are overcrowded, yeah. um, our roads are packed. Um, those same complaints um, have, a, have continued to exist. Growth doesn't fix those things. But our challenge is, is that, you know, as Meridian continues to grow, there's this natural desire for people who have chosen Meridian as their home, and I'm glad they're here, but to kind of close the door behind them and say, sorry, we're full. No more. You've read the Boise Dev Facebook group. <laughs> I have read the Boise Dev Facebook group. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, everybody feels that way, mm-hmm. right? They come here, they discover how magical it is, and they go, sweet, nobody else. Yeah, seat's taken. Yeah, right. So... Meridian, that that is especially challenging because, you know, we're the, we're the middle of the region, you know, both, you know, it's in our name, but it's also our location. We're in the Meridian. And so if, if our city council decided tonight we're done with approving development until things slow down. I, and I think there's members of your council who might feel that way. There could is be. that fair? Um, I think there are those that... These may be apartments. Yeah, I think that, yeah. you know, naturally you <laughs> in a community, yep, that, right? a, yeah. a community that for many years didn't have any apartments. Yeah. We've got a lot of apartments now. And so that's a, that pendulum has shifted a lot and it's made some people uncomfortable. Um, but if we said no to growth, our roads would still continue to be congested. Our schools would continue to be over, over capacity because our school district, the largest in the state, feeds two counties and five other cities. Well, I don't think that Star, Cuna, or Eagle, or Boise are going to say, no, we're, we're turning off the growth and pulling the keys out. And so those challenges still exist. And so it's trying to go back to some of our earlier conversation about collaboration between the municipalities and collaboration with our state lawmakers to find ways that we can solve those particular solutions. The two solutions that our citizens complain about more than anything are roads um, and our schools. And, you know, when you when you talk to people, you ask anybody, we live in Boise, Meridian, wherever, what do you love about your community? You know, they're going to talk about retail, they're going to talk about art, they're going to talk about outdoor amenities, many of which come from growth. I've yet to meet anybody who says, man, I love how under capacity our schools are. Or boy, I pick to live here because my commute time, you know, is is five minutes or 12 minutes. Uh, my dad grew up in, in Paul, and I would spend my summers there working on our farm. And, you know, I could leave my grandparents' house and drive to the store, and I would not see a single car. I uh, wouldn't have to stand in line at the grocery store. Uh, but that said, when I was able to choose where I live, I'm not living in Paul. And Paul's a great town, but I choose Meridian because of the things that affords my family and the community that it creates. That comes from growth. And we, as again, as a region, have to work collectively to figure out how we're going to solve that. And the problem is that it comes with kind of leading a little bit boldly and being willing to set aside some dollars for other well-intended uh, projects to help address some of those issues related to growth. And those are some things that we're doing in Meridian that I'm really excited about. So how do you do that? Boise's sort of said, well, we're going to kind of try and draw a little belt around our town. We got Meridian on one side, so that's going to confine us there. We're going to kind of stop developing the foothills. Got the airport and this urban renewal for industrial to the south. That's kind of it. There's some areas they can grow. So we're going to build up. We're going to increase density and more more taller buildings. 
Meridian's approach really has been less of that. There's yes. still quite a bit of land to go, especially to the south, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, South Meridian. Eventually it will exhaust, but yes. you know, CUNA will get in the way at some point. But how do you how do you think Meridian goes about this? And and is it transit-oriented development? Is it more sprawl? I mean, what what do you think the solution is? And can you even get ahead of it? Yeah, so I mean it's I think that's a question. If you asked all six members of the city council, you'd probably get seven or eight different answers yeah. because there's different philosophies. About <laughs> you, who's going to give us two? Uh, probably <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I might give you three or four. And there's some I'll give you. Yeah. Um, you know, we naturally hear a lot of frustration and concerns about sprawl, and and I get that. But I, I also go back to uh, the conversation about why my parents chose Meridian. They wanted to have a nice house with a big yard. Um, if you do one acre lots, half acre lots, again, people that love the rural nature of, of the valley, that's going to contribute to sprawl. Um, so we as a council have to be forward thinking about diversity of housing. So, you know, when I was a kid, diversity of housing meant we had one story houses and we had two story houses. <laughs> That's diversity. <laughs> right. um, and I remember when I moved back uh, to Meridian, I wanted to rent an apartment in Meridian. And there was a, an income qualified development and that was it. I didn't qualify um, and so I couldn't live in Meridian. And so for the first time ever, I found myself as a Boise resident, briefly. Um, <laughs> Now there's lots of alternatives, and it's driven in part for a couple of reasons. One, housing's really, really expensive, um, and we're seeing the cost of apartments rise in Boise and Meridian. We're seeing that even in Canyon County. Um, but one of the best ways I believe that we can help affect the cost of homeownership and drive it down is by providing diversity of housing, lots of options for lots of people. So for some, that's going to mean a big house on a big lot. For others, it's going to be a tiny house, you know, on a tiny house development. For many, it's, uh, we see a lot in Meridian, a lot of people who want a big house on a very small lot. My family's one of those. Um, And it's also about providing community uh, that is month-to-month rentals. And we're seeing that. I think that some of the developments that we're seeing in Meridian um, are really unique and really special. We're developing, we're not, we aren't, but development is building this really um, exciting rental concept kind of right in the core of Meridian that's an all-solar community. Hmm. Man, that's 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 interesting. This is a good Boise Dev story. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so providing those types of diverse housing options, I think is one of the ways that we can help address the growth problem because we're providing lots of places for people to live, whether it's short-term or long-term. But the other piece of that is, and this goes, again, I think we've talked a lot about collaboration, is the city's willing to, I I believe the city's willing to do something that maybe not a lot of other municipalities are willing to do, and that's allocate some of our general fund dollars to uh, streets and roads, Mm -hmm. specifically big connector points. So a number of years ago, City of Meridian purchased right away to help the Locust Grove overpass. We should say to sort of supplement. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Um, and we're looking at doing this something similar um, with Linder. You know, again, the size of Meridian, the fact that uh, our folks who live kind of in our central core right by Linder Road can't get across the freeway. They've got to drive to 10 Mile or they've got to drive to Meridian Road. Again, both um, high capacity expressways um, is a frustration and a challenge. And just like when we saw um growth and development occur south meridian when we built locust grove i think the same thing can happen when we do linder but those are some of the things that meridian 
I think is doing that's a little bit different than some other municipalities to help address that, um, to lessen that burden when it comes to transit, um, to be able to get to and from your workplace or to and from shopping. Um, I don't think that we're there in terms of kind of tightening the belts in certain geographic areas. Um, we have a lot of farmers who have worked their land and it's hard for me philosophically to tell that farmer sorry you know because your next door neighbor sold and there's a big development coming we're gonna have to say no to you being able to sell your land over here and that's more of a philosophical belief but i think that also aligns with the majority of our citizens um well many of which would prefer to again close the door right. behind them i think also they subscribe to the notion that you should be able to do what you want with your land so I know you've got some uh, statutory approval uh, things on a couple of these projects, but there's some exciting things happening in Meridian. Villa Sport is on the drawing board, I think, still. Uh, Top Golf, I don't think that is, that's submitted for, uh, well, I should say, uh, before I get my fingers cut off, a yep. Top Golf style entertainment facility. A golf entertainment facility has, is, I've just seen the charrettes. There's nothing that's come before us. Tommy, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, uh, Village at Meridian expansion. Yeah. Um, Kleiners have a huge piece of land at Eagle and Fairview that uh, nothing's planned right now. I just checked. But um, what are some things that excite you that are happening in the community? Well, you touched on, touched on a lot. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I figured you wouldn't be able to mention yeah, it, so I wanted to get I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I think you're yeah. – and, uh, you know, <laughs> as, as cliche and as silly as it sounds, every time, every Tuesday when we get our agenda – a lot of those projects excite me. You know, I mentioned earlier this apartment complex that's, you know, all solar. Never imagined something like that in Meridian when I was a kid. Um, we're opening uh, this summer um, a 60-acre park in South Meridian and Discovery Park. It's, it's going to be one of the, what, four or five largest in the valley? Yeah. Yeah. No. So so if you look at it, um, Kleiner Park is a 25-acre yeah. park. So this is going to be like totally totally like 50 or 60. I don't want to make more beater like mad. Yeah, but I think they're right yeah. around the 50. Yeah. So, so you get these huge parks. Yeah. Huge parks. And... Um, this is going to be a lot of what I kind of call Meridian's greatest hits. So you're going to have a bunch of green space for youth sports and family outings, but you're going to have um, a remarkable playground. Um, the park is going to actually have um, a rock wall that's shaped in the state of Idaho, so you can climb our state. Um, as I mentioned, I have a three-year-old, and every day it rains is the best day of the year. You can go out and play in the water. And we know you visit our splash pads. Kids love playing in the water. And so our parks department came up with a great concept that allows kids to really play in the water, build dams, drive rivers. I love that when I was a kid. Right. I, I mean, again, play in the sandbox with the hose. Yeah. So this is, I mean, on a massive I'll scale. I'll be out there. Great. I'll be there as well. Muddy, dirty. It'll be great. So, you know, when I was, when I was a kid, uh, if, if I was good all week, a reward was we got to go to Julia Davis or Ann Morrison. Or if I was really, really great, Camel's Back. Right, right, yeah. Because we didn't have parks in yeah. Meridian. And so to see something like this that is built in our southern part of our town gets me really excited. Um, anytime I get to meet with a new business, large or small, I get really, really excited. You know, I had some uh, reservations about um, the development that's happening in downtown, um, but they're going to have their big groundbreaking event. Yeah. Um, 
next week. And I am so excited for that project. I'm excited for what can happen um, in our downtown. Again, I was the paper boy. That was that was my route. I have such a heart for downtown, and that has been a frustration to we haven't been able to find the right secret sauce to get people to come to our downtown and not through our downtown. And so that's a piece that gets me um, really, really excited. Um, I'm a large proponent for aquatics in Meridian, and so I'm really excited about the opportunity for the city to be able to offer affordable aquatics to our to our citizens. Um, those are long-term, large-scale ideas that um, you know are a ways off. The other piece that I, and maybe it's because I've, I've just come back from the Chamber Leadership Conference where there's been a lot of conversation about public transit, um, but I'm really excited about potentials in terms of where technology will kind of meet our region in terms of being able to provide affordable transit for people who want to choose to do that um, as opposed to people who have to do that. Um, It frustrates me that many of our local officials have probably never ridden the bus. And the reason they don't do that is for the reason why I don't ride the bus is it would take me 90 minutes to get to my home in Meridian to to our office in in Boise on the bench. And that's just not feasible for me. But if we can find ways, and I think we can, to uh, shorten people's commute, boy, if I could cut my commute from 30 minutes to 20 minutes even, sign me up. I'll do public transit, even if it's 30 or 40 minutes, even if it's a 10 minute. If I don't have to worry about my car, sign me up. I think that for the first time, we've got a lot of collaboration about not just what makes sense for public transit in Boise or what makes uh, makes sense for public transit in Caldwell, Nampa, but what makes sense for public transit from Caldwell to Mountain Home. And the fact that we've got leaders that are wanting to work together to find those solutions, those are the things that get me really excited. Okay, so I like to keep these to about 30 to 40 Sorry. minutes, and we're at 39, so we're going to go a little longer here because I want to ask you a couple things. I talk too much. I'm no, sorry, it's okay. Don. So in, in 1997, some of the mayors in the Valley um, did a trial of the Regio Sprinter. I don't know if you remember this. I do. The train that yep. ran from Micron to, I think, all the way to Caldwell. Yep. And they did it for a couple weeks, yep. and it stopped at Micron and the mall. And all. I've got my picture taken in front of it at the mall. Yep. You should send me that picture. I need a good picture of the Regio Sprinter because it comes up a lot. Here we are 22 years later, Yeah. and there we've made... Very little movement. Yeah. That, of course, that idea didn't happen. Um, the bus service has evolved, but is still struggling, and yep. is actually the ridership numbers in a lot of ways are lower. Lower, yep. Even though there's more people here, traffic's gotten worse. Eighty yeah. four is wider and still yep. busy. Yep. What do you do? How do you how do you actually not just the like tactics, right? Sure. We all know what the tactics are. They're, I think they're easy. Are they? Well, I mean, you know, let's rail system, no, see, some it, high frequency bus routes, right? But, but but aside from the tactics, sure. How do you pull people together to say let's do something? A couple things. Not that you can do that all alone. Sure. But. So, a couple things I want to touch on. I'll try and be brief. One, I think the tactics do need to be looked at because, quite frankly, I don't think rail is the answer. Um, I make a lot of people mad, but I, yeah. the more we talk about rail, I think it's a fool's errand in terms of the cost to develop and the cost to operate. So it's a big question is to get people off this fixation about rail because I don't think it's Even feasible. on the existing rail corridor. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's a terrible idea. Um, 
and, and, and I'll Good deviate. Good luck getting inside Boise City Hall. For I, the next well, and uh, so and you, if you need to cut this out because I run too long, I'll, I want to no, deviate. I'm not cutting anything. We need to look past the rail and still using that right away, but not utilizing the rail line. If we were able to develop a what I call a commuter corridor, so a asphalt piece that runs alongside the rail that is designed for what I believe inevitably would be um, autonomous buses that would run between Caldwell and Boise. One, cost a whole lot less to run asphalt than it does rail. And as we move to an autonomous system, you el eliminate that liability of, of employees on a, and that ongoing cost in terms of salary, benefits, retirement, et cetera. So the corridor maybe makes sense. Corridor makes great sense. But, but the but form of transportation could be improved. I think so. Okay. So, um, but to your point, how do we work collaboratively on that? That's a that's a bigger idea that, again, my good friends at Boise City Hall are a little hesitant towards, our friends at the highway district. It's hard to wrap your head around something when for 20 years we've been talking about the need for rail, and you've got this nut job in Meridian that's saying, rail's a fool's errand, we need to be looking you know, 20 years into the future. Um, it comes down to, I think, and it's it's a simple answer that nobody likes to talk about, is that we as a region need the ability to have local option taxation. Um, and that you will get agreement with in Boise City Hall yes. and in Twin Falls City Hall and Pocatello. And, yeah. Well, and you look at some of these municipalities, these resort cities that have that authority that their, their population may preclude them from being able to yeah. use that in the future, that I think a bigger conversation about this is coming. Now, here's the thing, Don. I don't even know that if there would be a local option taxation proposal before me, it's something that I would support. Right. But I think, again, having the cities have the authority to do what's best for their community, closest to the people, being best for the people, um, is a tool that we need in the toolbox. And I think that could be a solution for our transit issues. Um, Again, that would take a regional approach from Caldwell to Mountain Home or Boise in order for something like that to fly. But I do think that's unfortunately the first step that we've got to have some type of consensus from our state lawmakers and our local lawmakers that this is an appropriate vehicle. So the governor says, well, local option, yeah, maybe, but it's harder to find the borders. And these municipalities have property taxing authority, but they don't want to use that. I mean, are you completely opposed to any property tax monies going towards these types of transit? Well, I mean, that, that's where it's funded right now. Um, you know, every We're going into budget season right now at the city of Meridian. We have a very minuscule investment in public transit. Um, we're trying to serve the greatest need with those few dollars as we have allocated. Um, is that predictable? Uh, what happens if, again, we continue to grow? And it's hard for me as a citizen to say no to a fire truck so we can allocate another half a million dollars to transit. Boy, if you don't have a fire in your neighborhood, no big deal. But if you've got a fire, you want a truck that's going to be there quick. Devil's advocate. Fires don't happen very often. You use your car every day. Uh, I would tell you that you talk to our firefighters and their amount of calls that they run a day is high. Now, sure. again, that's a bigger philosophical question is do we need a half a million dollar asset on the roads for the calls that they make? That's a whole other hour show, Don. But um, it's a fair point <laughs> to make. Two. Right. But the point being is that as long as city council members are forced to 
fund public transit at the same way that they fund everything else. A lot well, of competition. It's always going to be towards probably the bottom of an ever-growing list of needs in, in the cities. Um, and um, it's a it's a bigger piece of the pie that nobody's really willing to jump in and say, this is how we're going to solve it. Okay, so I want to talk about your day job because sure. not just because it's what you do, but I think it's interesting and important. Um, you are in the legislature and you're in all sorts of places doing things. Tell me about some of the things that you're trying to have an impact on in Idaho around sure. cancer and smoking and all those sure. related issues. Thanks. Um, heart disease nationwide, a lot of people know, is the biggest killer. Claims more lives than anybody else. In Idaho, it's different. Cancer claims more lives. Um, and there's a wide variety of reasons for that. It's everything from um, our previous belief about what we put on the ground for the food that we harvest. Um, it's our um, regulation light philosophy. We have uh, the fifth lowest cigarette tax in the nation. The four other states that have um, a lower tobacco tax uh, counts tobacco as one of their major cash crops. Um, we have made it more challenging for our rural state for people to get access to the care that they need. Um, I imagine uh, I have lost family members uh, to cancer. I imagine all of your listeners, if they think about it, they've got a friend, a family member, a coworker, colleague that has battled it in one form or another. So it touches all of our lives. Um, and I love that every day I get to get up and kind of do what I can to kick cancer's ass. And so we focus on policies that make it easier for Idahoans, specifically our rural Idahoans, to get access to their treatment. Um, for those people who have had a family member who's went through like a traditional chemotherapy and going and getting a port, that's really easy for you and I to get care. We can go to Misty or St. Al's here in the Valley. Um, but for folks who live in Firth or Salmon, that's a much more challenging task, especially when you get sick afterwards. So we work to find um, legislative solutions so people can get their treatment in their homes. Um, we worked to help expand Medicaid in the state of Idaho because we know um, when the working poor is healthier, they're a more productive working population. Um, and I do a lot of work naturally in tobacco control. So um, working to increase the age to purchase tobacco and electronic cigarette products from 18 to 21, working to increase the tax on those particular products, making sure the state's doing their part to fund cessation prevention programs, um, specifically around young people. Um, again, it's probably no surprise to any of your listeners, the rise of electronic cigarette usage, particularly amongst young people. Um, and as a parent of a 12-year-old, the statistics about exposure to these products in middle schools um, frightens me. And so I work as hard as I can with some amazing volunteers across the state to try and address those. And uh, whether it be at the local level, like the city of Boise, um, increasing or adding electronic cigarettes to their clean indoor air policy, um, working with the city of Twin Falls to make their parks and pathways smoke-free, potentially indoor, um, maybe looking at a regional approach to raising the age in Ada County from 18 to 21. Um, there's lots of different solutions that we can do to help drive down the cost of, of health care in our state. One of the things, and I'll be brief, that I think is important for your listeners to know is whether you're a smoker or not, every Idaho household contributes $640 a year in your state and federal taxes to cover the health care costs related to tobacco. So uh, if you like lower taxes, tobacco control is a, is a strong fiscal issue one that whether you smoke or not, you should be working to try and uh, decrease that usage because it'll save you money in your pocketbook. Or imagine taking that $640 and applying it towards transportation. Right? Well, so ties gonna, both things together. 
so I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna make you, just for one bill, I'm gonna make you governor, speaker, and president of the Senate in Idaho, and you get to push through one bill, and you have control of your caucuses. Oh, wow. You get to push through one piece of legislation. What would it be? Um, man, Don, that is a, a fantastic question. And only because... You're going to try and give me five answers. Well, I asked for one. Uh, just because you caught me in the workday and I'm working on some issues, I um, think that if we could increase our tobacco tax to like $2 a pack, so it's like 53 cents now, um, we'd be able to raise enough money to fund a, a strong cessation program for young people, um, fund Idaho's share of Medicaid 100% without taking any other tax dollars, um, and we'd save a lot of lives. So today, right now, because tobacco control is top of mind, that's probably the piece. Um, if you had caught me tomorrow morning after a city council meeting, I might talk local option. Oh, no, I meant for your day job. Your day yeah, job? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that would be the one. Just because, again, tobacco use, tobacco use is the number one cause of preventable death. And so if we really want to be serious about saving people's lives... Let's make it more challenging for people to get access to those products. Okay. Luke Cavan, Meridian City Councilman, Council or Council Person. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Don.